Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Way Is Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 60. Um, we are again in quarantine conditions, although we got the good news yesterday that we can at least go to car camping spots, so that's a, yeah. a positive. I think we'll also probably return to being in the same room fairly shortly. Yeah, hopefully that's the case. I mean, we don't really sit that close together anyway, it's just more the the shared use of stuff, so... Yeah. yeah, I think if if you sit on the other side of the room, we'll be all right. But we may not be able to have a guest for a while. But yeah, yeah. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. Um. So while it's just the two of us, we thought we'd have a gear podcast episode where we talk about what we use, uh, what we found over the years, and also a couple of other subjects related to gear, um, like being ultralight, sustainability, and maybe what we'd like to uh to have if we had unlimited budgets uh so i guess we'll start because this is kind of split with our own gear between like day and overnight so i guess we'll start with just the day stuff um what do you usually take out with you if you're just going for a a half day or a day um so yeah if we're doing a day hike then i keep it pretty simple uh i would use a backpack that we have which is a a mountain designs backpack called a, a stream 35 which has a, a trampoline back, so it's it, it keeps it cool. Um, they don't make it anymore, I don't think. Um, mm. But it was a you know it's a very good backpack. It's probably a bit excessive for like thirty five liters is probably a bit excessive for a day hike. But I quite like having a fairly big pack, and it's big enough that if you wanted to, you could use it as an overnight bag. Yeah, fine with like day packs, like having more is sometimes kind of better like it's not too much more weight to carry around but if you need the extra space and it's fantastic to have yeah exactly uh so that's my my pack but then after that you know it's really just my hiking boots which are a pair of keens um i've got my black diamond trail ego cork trekking poles uh and i have my standard adventure don clothing which is mountain design shirts generally i prefer long sleeve even if it's summer just to not get burnt because we're obviously high risk people because we spend so much of our time outside Mm -hmm. um and it's so it's mountain design shirts patagonia long pants and of course my trademark nerd burger hats with the big brim in the front and the party in the back (laughs) yeah um so obviously with mountain designs going under and then re-emerging as an online store uh have you found Mm. that a lot of the gear that you currently have is still available or have they shifted away from the range that they used to have so i went to an anaconda store and i had a look at their mountain designs range because they they bought them out and have their stuff in store and uh yeah quite a few of the things that i would like they had like the the main thing was they had very close to the original adventure don shirts so once mine wear out, I'll I'll have something still, which is good. So yeah, that's my gear. How about you, Mark? Um, so pretty much the same. So I've got a 34-liter Kathmandu pack that I bought quite a while ago. Um, and I don't think they even stock that. It's that old. Um, again, it's not the best gear, and we'll get into why I haven't updated that a bit later. But yeah, like it does the job. It's got the straps at the front. Um, kind of the hip straps and the the chest strap 
I mean, it's not the easiest one to get in and out of because it's like a big hollow with a, a flap over it that clips into the bottom. But mm. yeah, it served me well over the years. Um, and then normally I just take what I need, so like some rain gear, PLB, um, yeah, headphones, just kind of whatever I want for that particular day. Um, but I've also mm. recently switched to an Osprey Dura 6, I think it is. Uh, which is kind of more like a trail running vest with a, a few pockets at the back and a bit for your bladder. And that one I found for like shorter hikes where I don't need as much water um, works really mm. well because you can't feel that you're wearing it. Um, there's pockets in the front for my bigger lens, so that's quite handy to have it there to switch in and out. And kind of everything that I would take on a normal hike, if it's not raining um, and I don't need my um, jacket or cover, like it all fits in there so i'm quite happy with that one now i think shorter hikes up to like 10ks maybe i'll take that one with me all the time yeah cool um and shoes as well so up until last year i was always in big heavy hiking boots and i switched over to trail runners so i've got a pair of brooks caldera threes that i absolutely adore now like it's just they're so light on your feet and you don't feel that like you're trudging around like you feel springy um and again like they're just as comfortable as boots um the ankle support i'm not terribly worried about even though i just sprained my ankle um a month (laughs) or two back yeah um i did have a few issues Yeah, I kind of re-rolled it again yesterday. I was like, oh, probably should have worn the boots today. But yeah, if that's yeah. not an issue, then trail runners I highly recommend. Mm. I've started with like, and I still have them, like a super, super heavy leather boot that was mm. like four or $500. Um, you know, the, the, the uppers will basically last for my entire life. Yeah. But I got so fatigued wearing them and... I'm now the Keens that I have are like an ultra 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 light boot and the the difference it makes is you know certainly it, it's a big improvement over the heavy boots that were the old-fashioned style yeah because I noticed that as well because a couple of years ago I thought right if I'm doing this, this much hike I'll invest a fair bit of money in some boots and I got some Scarpa whatever they are um like good quality boots and it's the Kalish GTX and I was a little bit disappointed because I spent like four or five hundred dollars on these boots I was expecting them to be like walking on a cloud and <laughs> yep. it wasn't and I was just because they're not light they're like 400 grams each or all together and you compare that with trail runners which are half that mm. that extra weight each step when you're doing 20k's a day really adds up and your legs get sore your feet get sore and like it's not adding anything other than a bit of weatherproofing which trail runners dry out instantly anyway or not instantly but within a few hundred meters so yeah the trade-off for me isn't worth it i think i'd only wear them if again my ankle got worse or if i was like trudging through mud where i needed that weather protection yeah i've heard like i've kept my expensive boots that they need to be resold but i've kept them just in case i do like something really rough in like mm. uh, say new zealand or tasmania where you need like a really solid boot for it yeah that's um, why i'm keeping mine for like the <laughs> south coast track <laughs> something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly 
that's the sort of thing. Um, but otherwise, you know, um, a light boot. And, and I think sometimes it, it sucks because I think a, like a two hundred dollar boot, you'll go through that very quickly. Hmm. But the the so the fact that you you know, you probably end up spending two hundred dollars every year of your regular hiker, it, it kind of doesn't matter if because the comfort level is so much better than those really expensive boots. Yeah. And that's the thing is, like, I like I normally buy shoes and you don't wear them that often in real life, like, um, distance-wise. But like, hiking boots you go through or hiking shoes, you go through quite a lot because, like, some of them only last, a f- like, 700Ks up to, you know, 1500Ks. So over a year, I'd probably do that. So you're looking at buying new shoes every year, which if they're four or $500, then it becomes a bit of a, a burden. Yeah. But I mean, sure. hiking's so accessible anyway. Like, you don't need super expensive gear if you're just starting out. Like, literally, yeah, sure. just your normal runners and a backpack will do, as long as you're yep. well hydrated and you know what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look at some of the photos from when Alyssa and I started our um, sectional end to end of the bib, the gear that we had at the start was pretty crap. Uh, <laughs> Comical. Very. Very ordinary ba- backpacks, you know. Um, I think it was like a hydration pack that um, Alyssa's dad gave her was what mm. she used for the first hike. And yeah, you just, you know, you get better. And as as we've talked about the, you know, the first multi-day that we did, the gear was really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess that's a good segue into multi-day hiking. This is probably where gear is a little more important um, and people are obviously very specific about what gear they use. But you have quite a unique setup um, compared to most hikers. So you just want to run through um, the yeah, gear that sure. you have? So uh, my backpack is an Arn Featherlight Freedom. So Arn are a New Zealand company that make these packs with the front pockets. Uh, they look like your pack is eating you. <laughs> Some people say. Uh, some people say it looks like you have fun bags <laughs> at the front. Um, but they, they're designed so that the apparent weight is less than the actual weight because it balances out the... the um, by putting things in the front, you don't feel that, that sort of like leaning back feel from a normal backpack. So I find it really comfortable and it's good for multi-days where maybe you have like a week or... Um, you know, even even like a three four day hike, I feel like it it just it helps make that less of a burden when you've got that much food to carry. Mm. So that's that's the pack. The which I think it's a it's a fairly common pack with long trails. So you see them on the Teoroa and the Bibbulmun track. Very popular mm. uh, packs. I prob- probably I reckon them and Osprey are the two that you see the most on the Bibbulmun track. Then my uh, my tent is a Big Agnes, which is a Copper Spur HVUL2. Bit of a cult tent, I think. You know, I think Big Agnes make beautiful looking tents. Mm. Like mine's one of the orange ones. So I love the color orange, so I had to have it. Um, but it's also just, you know, it weighs very little for a two-person tent without going to the, like, the Z-Packs extreme. Yeah. Um, very comfortable and, yeah, really good pack. And then... Um, my sleep system is, uh, I recently upgraded from the Cedar Summit Aero. I, I hated that pillow. I found it extremely uncomfortable, um, while, but, you know, fantastically light. Certainly wins 10 out of 10 for lightness, but not for mm. comfort. So, uh, so I recently got a Nemo Philo Luxury 
and that was like manna from heaven you know it was it sleeping on that feels like a normal pillow so that's been a really uh a, a real godsend and when we went to new zealand having that and an actual mattress it was like a, a real sleep yeah uh then the cedar summit ember quilt we have the e, the eb2 as our quilt um instead of a sleeping bag i think it was you know quilts are a bit lighter than the sleeping bag and i also don't like that cocoon feel but you know some people prefer it so mm. that was why we went there and i have the cedar summit ultralight mat and i hate the mat because it's too noisy uh it's caused way too many problems for us as we've talked about in the past mm. uh and it's just not comfortable you know like when when you go car camping and you have a nice thick mat you it it can feel like a bed and it just doesn't feel like a bed so i'm i was planning on buying one by now but because my trip to thorsbund is not likely to happen this year mm. i'm sort of postponed buying a new mat but that's my um that's my must find a replacement for item next which will you know we talk about at the end about yep. things that that I would love to have so yeah that's that's the main things and then you know obviously there's the other bits of, of kit but how about yourself mark um just before we get onto mine are you not including boris your sleeping bear oh, as part of your kit of course i actually wrote down here boris underlined twice yeah. yes the the most important and unique piece of the sleeping system is boris the bear who's uh a fairly large bear. He's not the. He's not an ultralight bear. We've we've talked about maybe making an ultralight version of Boris for hiking, uh, but yeah, that's a, a really crucial bit of my sleep system because of the way my I have a lot of neck problems and shoulder issues, and having the bear really helps to balance my uh, my neck up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so over to you, Mark. <laughs> Um, so my bag, you talked about Osprey being very popular. Uh, I am now a convert to the Osprey packs. So previously I had like an old Mountain Designs one from 2007. And then I don't know why, but I was like, I'm going to get a pack. And I just went to Kathmandu without doing a lot of research. And I bought a mountaineering pack. And boy, howdy, <laughs> that was really yeah. uncomfortable. Like after 10Ks, yeah. I always had like sore shoulders, sore back. And I thought this, like, it shouldn't be like this. And then when we're doing um, dwelling up to Coley, and I was with Aaron, and he had an Osprey 65 liter pack. And after the fifth day, I don't know what sparked it. We were like, just, let's just try each other's packs on. I think I may have been complaining about my shoulder pain. And I put his, and I was like, oh my god, this is like a dream. So <laughs> after that, I was like, right, I'm getting a an Osprey. Um, so I've got the Atmos. Um, version and once you get all like the anti-gravity straps all figured out it's like literally the best thing you can get for your, your multi-day hiking because no matter how much weight I've put in it I never really feel like sore or tired and it's just I don't know it's really hard to explain like it's not like wearing nothing at all but it's the closest thing to it when you're trying to carry upwards of 20 kilos sometimes um, so mm. I can't rave anymore about that and they've got the little hip pockets so everything you need accessible during the day like a spare camera battery I put my speaker in there my bluetooth speaker um, yeah little snacks it's just brilliant for that 
uh, my sleep system. So I have the Cedar Summit ultralight insulated version um, of the sleeping mat. And this was after getting the uninsulated version and just being like cold, like no matter what the temperature was, I was always cold. It just felt like sleeping on the ground. So mm. I was so happy when I got the insulated version. It still makes noise, um, but I think it's really hard to get an inflatable mattress that's fairly lightweight um, and of a good size without making noise. So this was the compromise and I get such a good night's sleep on this. Um, it's just comfortable, it's warm, and for the price, it's, it's a fairly good compromise. Um, and my pillow is the Cedar Summer Eros Premium. So it's got a little bit of um, like, I don't know, like a cloth padding to, to where you'd put your head and literally folds up into the size of a tennis ball. So that's great. I don't have any complaints with that one. And my sleeping bag is the Cedar Summit Trek 3. So this one, the comfort rating goes down to negative one. So I've never been cold in this, um, pairing that with the insulated mat. And I've had a couple of nights on the bib where it's gotten down to, to freezing. So very happy with that. But again, like you, I kind of want to look at getting a quilt system. And we'll talk about this later in the, the wish list but like I'm a, a wide sleeper as I like to have one leg out and one leg straight. So being in the mummy like style, it's going to have to compromise a little bit. Um, but I do mm. like, like wrapping yourself up really warm and having like the hood go over you um, when it's really cold. I like that part of a mummy sleeping bag. And then my tent is a Black Wolf Mantis Ultralight 2. So when I was doing my research, this one seemed like fairly good compromise between weight, price, and like durability. Um, so it's just over two kilos, I think, and it was fairly cheap. Um, it's lasted me quite a long time, and I've not had any complaints with it. I've been in some serious weather, and it's held up quite quite well with no leaks. Um, quality's really good, and it's really easy to get up and down. And it has the double vestibules, um, which are really handy. Um, if you have actually have to use it for two people, um, you can put shoes and gear and bags outside if you really need to. Um, so yeah, can't complain with that one at all. Awesome. I guess there's other bits of kit like um, the like a stove. Like I have a fairly standard, uh, like a 360 degrees Ferno. That's not nothing special. Mm. Um, and I think we both have the Cedar Summit collapsible mugs and bowls. What's yep. what's your stove that you're using? Um, so I've got a titanium one I got from Kathmandu. Um, mm -hmm. Can't really complain about it. Like it lights fairly easily. It's um, like it's not windproof, but I've not had any issues where I couldn't keep it going. So I'm quite happy with that one. Yeah. Um, and other bits. I mean, you mentioned a PLB earlier. Like that's another bit of kit that I think. I know there's there's some debate as to how worthwhile having one is, but I mm. would rather have it than not. Yeah, like I never really, like when I first started hiking, I never took one, but I think it's more peace of mind for family and loved ones just to know that if anything does happen, um, you can just set it off and hopefully someone will come, come out and rescue. Yeah. And um, do you, I know I, like we carry a SteriPen, 
Um, mm. When we go out hiking, what do you use for water purification? I just use the Aqua Tabs. I just find it okay. really lightweight. Um, I'd love a Steri Pen, but yeah, I can't justify <laughs> that cost at the moment. <laughs> um, so yeah. the the tabs work really well. Um, what really got me with the Steri Pen, I think it was when we I forget which one it was we went on an overnight hike it must have been the one to Wallach um, and then through and you got out your Steri pen and you put yep. it in and you could see all the Wrigley's going around I'd, <laughs> I don't know I'd much rather not see what I'm drinking even though I know that it's sterile after using that <laughs> yeah uh, I've we now filter it you know filter the the Wrigley's out mm. a bit better because uh, you still need to filter it. Uh, I, I think I think with the SteriPen, it's very good if you're going to places where there's water tanks and or um, very clear running streams. Mm. The the problem is it's not very good if you're like in in you know having to get muddy water. So that that's yeah. where filtration systems the best for for those. But I mean, unless you're really going off track. I don't think you're going to really encounter those sort of conditions. Yeah, I don't think we have enough like backcountry areas where you're going to be trying to filter out brackish, muddy water. So, I mean, for the purpose yeah. of the like the bib, I think tabs or a SteriPen are more than sufficient. I mean, most people don't even bother, and I've done a few hikes where I just fill up straight from the tank. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's one of those things. It's like officially they say you should treat unofficially. You know, under most circumstances, you're probably not going to get sick. Yeah, but it could happen. Yeah, um, and technology-wise, um, how much do you take out, and what kind of gear do you have? I take a fair bit of gear out, because <laughs> um, the other thing is the the um, the camera. Uh, you know, mm. I carry a Sony Alpha Six Thousand, which is it's sort of like a good compromise because it's it's not a full size camera but it has interchangeable lenses and the lenses are good enough quality so generally when i'm hiking i carry the uh, 18 to 105g lens on that which is excessive for the size of it mm. um but you know the, the image quality is really good but uh recently i had to buy the 16 to 50 lens to go into a waterproof case for my trip to Ningaloo that didn't happen Um, and I've been kind of enjoying how small it is so Mm. that's been a nice sort of change of pace Um, what are you you carrying at the moment Um, I have a Nikon D5300 which is at the very 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 end of its life Um, it doesn't autofocus it's really bashed up the lens is like falling apart so hopefully I'll upgrade that by the end of the year Um, we'll see see what comes about um but i saw one the other day it was a nikon dslr and it had a 14 to 200 and something millimeter lens that came with it i was Mm -hmm. like that's perfect for me because i hate changing lenses between the 18 to 55 to the 55 to 200 so to have something that wide um it means you don't have to change lens to like shoot birds or wildlife or anything like that so i'd be quite keen to to get that one but we'll see how the finances play out and how much longer i can keep this nikon going uh, but it's actually <laughs> yeah. quite a good hiking camera because it's fairly light i think it's only 500 grams and i carry it like i don't put it away it's not on a thing around my neck so it's like having a half kilo weight the whole day and i don't get mm. tired arms or anything it's 
It's a really good size to have. Yeah. I tend to clip, as you've seen, like I tend to, if I'm doing a day hike, I clip the camera strap to my bag. Mm. So it kind of comes down the front. And then when I'm doing multi-days, I have it in the front pocket of the, the arm. So, uh, and the reason why I, why I do that is because I have trekking poles. And I was going to ask you about that because you've, you've never been a convert to the trekking poles. No, well, I've, I've only ever used them once. And that was on the Oxfam 100. And I only used one then. I just think it's because I'm always photographing. I don't have mm-hmm. the free hand space to use trekking poles. Mm. Um, but I don't know, as my body deteriorates, I might look into <laughs> using it a bit more. Um, if I'm ever just like just hiking for fun, I might try and use them where I don't need to take any photos. But we'll see. Mm. Touch wood uh, that the body holds up <laughs> a little longer. Yeah, they they can be really good, and they can also be a hindrance. I find like if you're doing um, something like if you're going to the Stirling Range. They're an absolute pain in the ass to have if you're going up, hmm. but sometimes when you're coming down, it's really nice having them. Yeah, uh, and it's always that toss up of it's like is is it worth having? Is it not worth having? And hmm. yeah, they they can be frustrating. Like doing something like climbing the 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 boulders on uh, Toolburn up. Yeah, is it's a pain in the ass, but then coming hmm. down, it's it's nice to have. Yeah, but I mean they all like fold up fairly small and compact these days and you just if you're not using them just stick them on your pack yeah exactly so mm. there is that there is that option yeah yeah i'm trying to think what other gear i mean i have a, like a, we always carry a power bank um to charge our phones mm. I, I have a solar one that is useless like it it just doesn't it takes so long to charge that you'd have to be out there for like a week before you you had like a full charge of power. Yeah. So I wouldn't do that again. Um, we have, I think you have the light as well, the the lantern, the solar lantern light. Yeah, that's a really good piece of kit. Yeah. Um, yeah, lightweight folds down. Everyone that sees that that's never seen one before is like, oh, that's amazing, and you're like, well, yeah, it is actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's what's it called? Um, it's a Luki light. Luchi light? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're um, really so good. So, yeah, little solar powered, and then it, you blow it up, and it kind of, it, it's like a clearish, creamy color, like plastic, and then that all illuminates. So, it's fantastic. I can't recommend them more. Mm. And then, in terms of food, you, you tend to dehydrate your own food. Yeah, so getting into that quite a bit. Um, that's just for dinners, so got a few recipes on the go, but then lunch and breakfast is normally just a cliff bar mm. um, and then snacks is dehydrated fruits and lollies and I always have chocolate at the end of a, a day as well as wine yeah. so to keep the wine fresh and obviously not carrying a bottle around I've got the platy preserver which you have as well yes yep it's a great piece of kit uh, yep. you know nice and light and can carry a whole bottle of wine yeah Yep. I've just started getting was, into the it, fortified wine, so I think that might be switched oh. <laughs> out for the regular wine soon. Yep, we've we've tend to pack whiskey because it's uh it's got mm. a good alcohol to weight ratio. Yep. Um, the other thing that I've really found has been a a big shift is the we've been buying the campus pantry freeze dried meals rather than back country. Mm. And the quality difference, like the, the, the food tastes like real food. 
Yeah. And also they're a te- they're a Tasmanian company, so you know it's yeah. supporting local. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, as far as dehydrated food and freeze dried food goes, I think they're one of the better ones, uh, commercial ones anyway. Mm. But you know, I, I do think that it it's it is nice to have your own dehydrated food, but that can be a lot more time consuming. Um, yeah, and especially if you're not doing a whole lot of multi day hiking. Like I dehydrate like a whole meal that's maybe i think i get six serves out of one session mm. um, and then that goes in the freezer what i'm not using but if i'm not going for multi-day hikes i don't have a long shelf life so you end up sometimes chucking stuff away which isn't ideal yeah um, and also it's um it's a problem with interstate travel sometimes they you know has mm. to be commercially produced and so it really is only useful for travel within your home state although I do know someone from Queensland who he dehydrated all his food and got a um, a certification to get it to get it across the border yeah Uh, so all all his parcels had the the letter from the Mm. WA government saying yep it's all right so I think there are ways to do it but you have to be very uh, on the ball with how you do it yeah, I think the best way that I've found with multi-day hikes um, over east is you just do the cheese and wine variety and then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Touché. Touché. Um, yeah. But back to the, the um, not backcountry, camper's pantry meals. Do you have any go-tos um, that are your favorites? Yeah, I think that their, their spaghetti bolognese is good. They have like an apricot curry um, pasta that is quite nice. It That's sounds very, not very nice. Very 70s for <laughs> your style. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, they're all, I think all the pasta ones are pretty good. They have um, they have some ones with rice, but you have to buy the rice separately, which is a bit frustrating. Mm. Uh, you know, so oftentimes we don't buy those because it means then having to pack a bowl where we can eat straight from the, con- the you know, the container. Yeah. But, you know the 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 quality level is certainly better than backcountry. The meat doesn't taste like foam. Yeah. Uh, it it tastes like actual meat, and the you know the vegetables and stuff in it I seem more realistic tasting, mm. <laughs> both in texture and flavor. So yeah, yeah, re- really recommend them. Cool. Um, and getting away from our personal gear, I guess we'll go into like overarching themes within gear and one of them is like going ultralight and it's a big kind of term within the hiking community um what are your thoughts on like achieving the lightest thing you can ever <laughs> um yep i know we're kind of both the same mindset but what what are your thoughts on if is it worth it and do you try and do it occasionally I, I don't think it is worth it. I think that, that you get to a point of diminishing returns. It's like, um, it's like with um, you know, like hi-fi equipment. You can sp- like if you buy a, a hundred dollar setup, it will sound crap. If you pay um, for two thousand dollars, it will sound amazing. Mm. If you spent two hundred thousand dollars, it will sound that much better. But it will, but it'll only be incrementally better than the two thousand system compared to the hundred to the, the two thousand. Yeah. And I think that that that's very much the case with like shitty cheap gear. Oftentimes, 
is you know it can be bought for very little money mm. um, but then you can there's no there's no maximum to what you can pay like yeah. you could you could get something that weighs a tent that weighs 200 grams mm. um, but then you have to use your trekking poles as the as the support for it or you know there's all sorts of stuff like that where you start to to get diminished returns and particularly in terms of comfort like I have realized how much if it's not comfortable then you're not going to have as enjoyable a time mm. so I'm I'm very much I've gone towards like comfort light rather than ultra light yeah no I'm much the same because like you see some people and sure like money will buy lighter gear and if you've got the money then great go out and spend it if you're happy to on on lighter gear but then the people who try and do it for a budget, um, sometimes I'm just like, oh, it's probably not for me. Like I bumped into one guy and he had like half a sleeping mat that he'd made himself out of like foam and like insulation kind of material and it rolled up to a, like a little pad. But it's like I, I couldn't sleep on something that was like inch like an inch thick and was only half of my body like it'd just be too cold and it was kind of like a compromise that he was happy to make and he really loved it but I was like I'd really just like a comfortable sleep and I'm happy to carry the weight I guess that's also one thing like if you're not plussed about the extra weight and it's not a big burden then it's like ultralight's kind of like a not necessary but great to achieve sometimes yeah and I think, you know, I would consider using specific gear for specific types of trails. Like if we did the Stirling Ridge again, mm. I probably would carry the, the lightest possible gear because we're going to have to carry our own water. Yeah. But for, you know, for a seven-day hike where you don't have to carry any water, I'm more than comfortable carrying what I carry. Mm. Um, without going to the extreme. And I would happily carry an extra kilo for that mattress to be more comfortable than my current mattress. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends. Like a lot of the ultralight mentality comes out of the really, really long through hikes yeah. where you're doing 30, 40, 50 Ks a day and like your sleep system isn't as important because it's literally you get into camp, set up, sleep, and then you're up at 5 o'clock in the morning to get going again. And like yeah. having an extra five to ten kilos on your back every single day is quite cumbersome. Um, so I understand it from a like a PCT or an Appalachian Trail type um, hike where you want to cut down as much as possible. But I think for the bib, like those kind of hikes, and pretty much anything in Australia, um, it's quite easy just to get away with a, a normal setup rather than having to go ultralight. Yeah, and I think in Australia there's not the as much. I mean, there are certainly people who do 50k days, mm. but it's less of a thing here. Like people don't seem to. They seem to be quite happy to just do like a 20k day mm. and finish at one in the one in the afternoon and have the rest of the day. Whereas yeah. the American ultralighters tend to be like, "What do you mean? It's one o'clock. We could fit a whole nother day of hiking in into this." <laughs> yeah. No, I used to do that as well. I'd like try and get to the campsite really quick. And now I'm just like, well, I know I can get there by midday, but I don't want to. So I'm just going to go really yep. slow now and, and enjoy my time out here. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, and one thing that's kind of linked to ultralight a little bit is sustainability. Um, I guess it's kind of 
how often do you upgrade your gear and like is it really a good idea to be upgrading all the time to chase that you know 100 grams or 200 grams whatever you're trying to get um how often do you replace your gear is it when needed or when you want something a little bit better um i think it's generally when needed like i i'm happy with my particularly now I've probably spent the last five years perfecting what I want to carry. And the last few things were like, you know, I got a rainproof shell instead of a raincoat, mm. things like that. Um, you know, I'm pretty happy with all the gear to the point where something would have to break for me to replace it, uh, with the exception of my mattress. Like, that's something that I'm actively trying to find something to replace. Mm. But, um, you know, otherwise, I'd, I think... I'd rather get to a point where I don't need to buy anything else because with with that, if you're, you know, if you're doing like you were saying earlier about the wine and cheese kind of hikes is that they often provide you with gear. Mm. And if you're only going to, if you're going to be replacing your gear all the time, you might as well pay for that and, and just do that. Yeah. But if you're, you know, if you're going to get like, I think get a sustainable kit of gear that, w that you'll be happy with. And it might take, a bit of time because the first lot of stuff you buy will not be great and will probably not even if it is great it may not be what you want mm. but once you get there like I think the ideal would be that your gear should last you and should be something that you can have for years to come um, mm. I feel you know and how about do you are you in that same sort of position or yeah so I think now that I've got not an ideal setup but one that is very comfortable and i can live with quite easily i'm at the point where i was just like well you know i could get better gear but i don't want to mm. like my stove works fine like sure there's lighter stoves out there and it's not super heavy um same with like my pot like it's an old katmandu pot does the job and until it breaks that's it's gonna be like that whereas like the gear I'm looking to upgrade is more like my sleeping mat I deliberately upgraded but then now I have two so I can have one for Karis if she comes out or you know if we go camping that way um I think like my sleeping bag as much as I want to upgrade it um it works fine just now and if I look after it it'll last me you know another 10-15 years hopefully mm. um but yeah it's just I guess like advice we can give for people who are looking to buy gear is buy the best you can for what you have um, or failing yeah. that look secondhand um, because it's pointless buying cheap stuff to start with if you then having to replace it because it's no good um, and that I think is probably more for like a backpack or a sleeping system more than anything else um, especially sleeping mm. systems because if you go out and buy a cheap sleeping bag and you're going out in the bib where it's zero degrees some night and it's it says that it can go down to minus one but that's the extreme rating um, I think yeah it's worth spending the extra money if you can afford it um, straight off mm. I think as well with with the the gear if you there, there is that you know that that right sweet spot of it being expensive enough to be good quality and mm. not but not so expensive that you're going to go broke from it but also once you have it and if if you maintain a you know that that kit then every hiking trip becomes really cheap mm. so you know we've we've had basically the 
you know, give or take a few minor changes. The same kit for maybe four years. And so every time we go on a trip now, um, you know, it doesn't actually cost anything other than the booking fee if there's if it's a paid um, trail and food because mm. everything else is, is supplied. And so it becomes very ch- a very cheap holiday to just keep doing, uh, but, although there is an investment. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like if you add up everything like tent, sleeping gear, all of that, and then divide it by the number of days you'll actually use it, um, it's like incredibly cheap, as you say. And people like won't blink twice about spending a couple of hundred dollars on an Airbnb for a night. Mm. But they'll be tossing and turning because a tent costs eight or nine hundred dollars, and it's like, sure, it's not an Airbnb, but if you use it more, uh, regularly, it's really, really cheap. So it's worth the investment to get something good. Um, it's just like that mentality of one-off costs over the long-term gain. Yeah, for sure. Um, and finally, um, <laughs> I know we've talked about you know be happy with what you have and and invest well but (laughs) the wish list of gear is there anything that you would really 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 like um to have or replace in your gear setup yeah so i think i've i've said it multiple times but certainly the mattress thing is something that bothers me it really is not good enough um i i want to basically be able to have the comfort of a car camping trip while not having to carry that sort of kit. Yeah. So it, it it might be sort of a magical pudding kind of uh, equation, but I'm determined to find the answer. And if it means carrying an extra 500 grams, so be it. You know, if it's an extra kilo, I'd say so be it. Uh, so that's that's probably the bit of kit that I'd like to replace. Everything else I'm happy with, you know. I don't really uh, really need to upgrade. But what about yourself? Um, so again, like the sleeping mat, when I was looking at when um, I was buying my insulated version, I looked at the Thermarest Neolite, um, the X-Lite one, and it was the same weight as the uninsulated Cedar Summit, um, but it had like a ridiculous R value, um, but it was 400 and something dollars if you bought it from an Australian retailer. I was like, mm. I don't, I can't justify that cost as much as I just said. How many nights you're going to sleep on it over <laughs> the price? Um, so I made the compromise of buying the the Cedar Summit version, um, and also my tent, as like as light as it is. The kind of hiking that I'm doing, it's solo hiking, and most of the time on the bib, the shelter's free, so you don't really need a tent. So if I mm. don't have to carry two kilos, I'd prefer a much lighter tent. I think when I do the cape to cape, I will invest in a um, Nemo Hornet two-person because that's about a kilo. So to mm. not have to carry the extra weight um, would be fantastic. And it's fairly weatherproof um, for WA conditions. So I don't think that will be a big issue. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Like I'm fairly happy with everything else that i have it'd be interesting to try someone's like ultralight um setup to see whether whatever base weight they like carry like some people carry like six kilos as a base weight to see what that is like um and yeah then i might start going down that rabbit hole but 
I'd like to think I'd be, you know, sane enough to to keep with what I have. Yeah, I feel like unless you're doing, as you say, like if you're doing 50k days, day in, day out, mm. and your and your mission is to do really long trails as through hikes all the time, then maybe that is the right set of, of gear for you. But if you're only going to do like a week, like I, you know, I generally only do a week of hiking max, mm. then there's no need for that because, you know, if I'm doing like a, a great walk in New Zealand, the days are short. You know, mm. they're not long. And same with um, any of the walks in, um, you know, maybe in something like the South Coast track where it's a, you've got a whole week and it's pretty rough. Yeah. That might be something. But even then, I think I still think that the amount of gear I have is, you know, the weight is, is fine and I'm adequately strong enough to carry it. Yeah. Because that's the thing as well. Like, you build up that um, stamina over time. So... You may start out thinking this is a lot of weight, but if you keep doing it, you're going to get stronger and fitter and get used to it. So there's always that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll finish with kind of any tips we may have that we haven't already covered off. Any advice to people looking at buying gear, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think um, certainly shop around. Uh, there's, you know, ver- the prices can vary quite wildly. Probably try out some gear before buying it. Um, I think don't just go to like the camping store and then, and then just pick up like, I need a raincoat, grab that raincoat. I need mm. this and grab that tent. You know, like it's it's very much uh, something that you should try. Like I think there's places like, like Paddy Pellin have a lot of stuff that you can try like the mats are in store hmm. so you know we tried a Nemo Philo before investing in one um, and they have them you know there's um, a lot of other companies that have mats in store tents in store that you can try sometimes you can't like I, I bought a uh, Big Agnes tent as a blind buy I just I read reviews online certainly hmm. reviews online is another good avenue to go with yeah um, yeah how about yourself any other sort of thoughts and advice for people um yeah just take your time like really do your research like i've found reviews quite handy and don't be put off by people's negative reviews because sometimes like it's not a situation that relates to you like someone complaining that the tent pegs weren't strong enough or like the wind blew this down or it didn't fit properly or something like that like it's sometimes very specific to people so if it's like generally positive um on a review site then i'd probably more than likely buy that as a a piece of gear um and also if you're wanting advice um places like paddy palin the staff are fairly knowledgeable um about hiking because they do it themselves Mm. um so if you're going in there for advice um buy there because that's what you're paying for is you're paying for the advice not just the gear so don't be that person that goes in says I'll think about it and then goes and buys it elsewhere online for you know 10% cheaper yeah that's a very good point yeah and they have the mem- membership cards as well so you get you get yeah. discounts anyway so <laughs> I was in there once and <laughs> this guy walked in and the lady's like you know do you want to become a member and she, he was like, well, what do I get for the membership? It was like, you know, 10, 10% off or 20% off, whatever it was. And he's just like, so 
you're charging me less so you can have all of my metadata and sell it off to everyone else. And he was like getting really <laughs> stroppy about it. I was like, you can just pay full price, but you don't need to <laughs> give all yep. your details. Exactly. I was like, Paddy Palin aren't that store that are going to do that, like sell it to third party, <laughs> like scam artists that are going to steal all of your, your data. Yep. I just found that funny. Um, but yeah, just enjoy what you have and use it well is probably the the better advice and also talk to people like compare gear while you're out on the trail like if you see something that someone has that you're intrigued by you know have a chat with them ask them where they got it what do they think of it and don't be afraid to ask questions but also beware of the zealots Yes. There are zealots out there who will be like, you're not a true hiker unless your, you know, your tent weighs 200 grams, and you, you know, you drill holes into your toothbrush to mm. make it as light as possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, there was a a Billman Track um, event, and there was a someone from Cedar Summit there, and yeah, there's this like this hilarious moment because she's like hi i'm so-and-so from cedar summit you may have heard of us and someone just instantly just went no but we've heard your mats <laughs> like the whole room just cracked up <laughs> i was like touche but that's like pretty much every company that does uh ultralight inflatable yeah. mats. <laughs> fantastic uh, cool so on that note that was our gear episode Mm -hmm. thank you for listening if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode of real trail talk then please rate us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on ratings really help for us to reach an audience and for people who maybe are looking to learn about the outdoors in western australia and australia in general if you had any questions or any suggestions for future episodes uh, you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com or you can contact us through our social media channels. We'll be back in two weeks. We're not quite sure what we're going to do because of the obvious uh, limitations, but we shall certainly strive to bring something interesting for you in our next episode. Thanks for listening.